0: Welcome to UV in the Counselling World, the podcast dedicated to student counsellors and the road to getting qualified and beyond. Today I want to talk about the 10 things that I wish I'd known before setting up my own private practice. Moved house. I'm finally in a lovely place in a great setting Um, and feeling really happy and content with being here. Actually, I'm really sorry that I've not been around recently on the podcast. It's been, well, manic. (laughs) I think that's the only way I can describe it. I don't think I've ever been so busy in all of my life, Um, but. I'm, I've got a bit of time at the moment. It's just nice to get this recorded. I don't have any internet, but I'm recording it now, and I'm going to upload it as soon as we get internet in the house. It's been a really long and slow process with getting internet, actually. It's taken a lot longer. I think it's been a full 11 days without internet, which I at first I thought, oh, that'd be okay. We'll We'll manage. And we have managed, but I was kind of expecting to have some decent 4G network, when in fact we don't. (laughs) So I felt extremely kind of disconnected from the world, which has been lovely in some respects. But when you've just moved house, and you need to order things and change addresses and organise stuff, it's really difficult to not have the internet. And I realise now how much we rely on it for everything. So whilst I've enjoyed some time of limited screen time, and when I say limited, I mean extremely limited, I have also realised just how much day-to-day stuff we have to get done via the internet. So it's been a bit of a revelation to me. And I've just been so busy, though, up, you know, lifting boxes and unpacking and building flat-pack furniture. That hasn't been my favourite, I could tell you that. And it's it's okay, we're getting there. But it is it is, it's extremely difficult to get everything done sometimes. Anyway... On that note, here I am, back sitting at a brand new setup in a really comfy position. So I'm not standing up like I normally am. I'm actually sat down at a proper desk with all of my studio equipment and feeling really chilled and wanting to just have a really good chat with you all. So I'm really, really pleased to be back. And thank you so much for sticking by me during this time. I know that I've not been particularly um, consistent, I suppose, with uploading. And that's not through want of trying. I promise you that. I enjoy doing the podcast. I really look forward to recording it. But sometimes life really does get in the way. And I think I did an episode on that, didn't I, about talking about the times when we need to step back in life. And I think for me recently, these there have been times when I've needed to step back. And I recognise that. It's not okay, because I want to keep you all with your weekly fix, at least, it would be so great to go back to a weekly podcast. Um I don't know that that's possible right now, but I certainly will upload as much as I possibly can. So I'm hoping the sound is all OK here in this new setting. Um I've got a, a proper booth and that around the microphone now. So I'm hoping that the sound quality will be really, really good. I'm hoping. <laughs> you never know until it gets uploaded. So private practice. This is something that... I know that supervisees and students of mine struggle with sometimes this idea of, oh, private practice, where do I begin? (laughs) And I think it is a really big topic, isn't it? And there are certain things that I wish I had known before I set up my own private practice. And there's things that now seem so much more obvious, but they absolutely were not obvious at the time. (laughs) And it it's just things I want to share with you so that you can sort of manage your expectation, I suppose, and hopefully learn from the mistakes. I don't know if they have been mistakes that I've been made, but the expectations that I had and how different they were and the expectations that I put upon myself, I think were really big. So I wanted to just talk through with sort of the 10 things that I just wish I'd known (laughs) now as I look back kind of 12 years later it does feel really different and I think I have really developed and grown over that time massively not just in the counselling world but in the business side of things and in running the practice and how I plan my diary all of those things have changed drastically and so I wanted to sort of share with you what I have learned over that time hopefully this will be helpful to you as you think about coming to the end of your training and setting up your practice so the first thing I think number one I'm going to do it in one right through to 10 and in no particular order these are just random they have come out and I've typed them onto my laptop to give me some pointers but they are in no particular order at all it's just me talking about things that came to mind when I was thinking about this so the first thing that I wanted to sort of talk about is It's perfectly fine to start your practice with one client or two clients, whatever you want, because one client does equals a private practice. (laughs) So, you know, as soon as you get a private client and you start working with them, you're working privately privately. And I think that's really important to recognise is that people have an expectation that I've got to be having, you know, 10 clients a week and I've got to be doing all of these hours for it to be a private practice. And actually, that's not the case at all. You can build this up to suit you and to suit your life. So it feels really important that we recognise that this is done at your own pace and you can choose what you do right now. If it feels very daunting to have more than one client, then advertise, get your one client and then go from there. See how it feels, see how it works for you. And gradually you can build up, but you can take your time. You can do this at your own pace. And I think that's one of the most important things is that I think I had a really big expectation upon myself. And I think I felt a massive financial pressure somewhere to be earning this, that and everything else. And actually, it works so much better when I was able to be kind of more organic about it. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing kind of leads on to that. And it's not a race or a competition. I know that when students are on placements, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but sometimes it can feel a little bit like it's a competition to get all your hours done and, and other people are, you know, streets ahead in terms of numbers to what you've done. And sometimes that can feel really competitive. Now, in private practice, you can choose. You've got your choice. There's autonomy here for you because actually you can see loads of clients in a day if you want to or you can choose just to see one or two And both of those ideas are fine. So everybody's different. Got supervisees that would much rather do two or three solid days of, you know, eight hours a day of clients at the beginning of the week. So they get the last two days off of the week and, you know, leading into the weekend. And then I've got other people that can't sit and solidly see clients because they just they just are exhausted by it. It's tiring. It's difficult sometimes. So they have to really think about what they can do, realistically speaking. So when you're looking at what you can do, experiment a bit and learn that you don't have to see loads of clients in a day. You can have your own personal maximum. Now, my personal maximum is four in a day, which doesn't seem like very much. And actually, for many years, I felt almost ashamed of that. Like other people can do like eight hours of it in a day. My maximum is definitely four hours of client work, probably a little bit more of supervision, but client work is four. And sometimes I felt a little bit embarrassed about that and thought, you know, why? Why is that? And I learned through supervision and through lots of self awareness, I suppose, that I really go deep in with clients, really, really deep work sometimes. And I can't sustain that for eight hours a day because I'm really in it with them. And that's not to say that other people who can do more client hours in a day don't go in deep. But it much depends on how you feel you can handle that, really, in terms of how much you can hold. And I am such a perfectionist in my life. (laughs) I want to, if I'm going to do a job, I want to do it really, really well. I always want to be able to be there and really show up for my clients so I've learned that four works for me and it doesn't completely deplete me because actually we could do eight hours in a day and do eight clients in a row but we can feel massively depleted at the end of that so you've got to work out what's best for you what's right for you and where your limit is because we all have our limits don't we and that's nothing to be ashamed of you your limit can be two clients a day if you want to Maybe you choose to see one client a day for five days a week, you know, it really varies, but you've got the choice and and nobody can tell you otherwise. So that's what's really important to recognise that. So the next thing that I think I didn't really understand is what I used to do for a long time, is I used to sort of see as many clients as I could in the morning, thinking that that would give me time in the afternoon to do whatever I wanted. And so I would try and cram clients in in the morning and not allow myself very many gaps. And I'd have a short gap between clients to quickly write notes and things. But that was it. And I quickly realised after, I guess after feeling quite wiped out, that although I, I had that little bit of time in the afternoon, I was so tired and frazzled from doing it that way, that actually I didn't enjoy that time in the afternoon that I had. So it's what I did is I in the end I experimented a little bit and I allowed bigger gaps between clients, which would then mean I could pop to the shop or I could go for a walk and get some fresh air, I could properly write my notes, I can sit and listen to a podcast if I wanted to in between clients. I had a bit more time and a bit more space. And although I didn't have a big block of time at the end of the day, I did feel that it worked better for me. So again, recognizing trial and error, we're not the same. We're all different people and that is okay. So see what works for you and see how you feel best. I think it's about how we feel that's important, isn't it? One thing that I really like about private practice is that we can choose our own hours. So this is number 4 on my list. We can choose our own hours and Back in the beginning of the pandemic, I made a real kind of conscious decision that I no longer wanted to work evenings. I teach in the evenings, but not client work. So I made the decision that my day would start at 8 a.m. if the clients that wanted to see me before work. And I would finish. Basically, my last client would start at no later than 4 p.m. to finish by 5. That has been a massive turning point for me because I did I was doing sort of I think it was 10 years of doing evening work sometimes I would finish and get home by about 8 8 which it wasn't particularly late but I recognized that actually I didn't enjoy it I really didn't enjoy doing that not that I didn't enjoy the work with the clients it wasn't that it was just that I'm quite an evening person I enjoy my evenings I felt I was missing out on things and that's my sacred time so I decided no I wasn't going to do that anymore and I also blocked out some days in my diary which meant that they were days where I didn't book in any clients or supervisees and actually is what that meant is when the college came along I was able to use those days to do my college stuff and to have meetings and plan lessons and all of that sort of thing so without wanting to sound really weird about this I think before the college even was a thing I think I'd arranged my life in a way that made space for it. So when the college did come along, the space was already available to it, if that makes sense to you. I know it sounds a bit weird, but it's kind of like I opened myself up to this. It's a little bit law of attraction, isn't it? For those of you that are into the law of attraction, I I allowed the universe to send this to me, I think. That was something that was really pivotal for me was to go through my diary and to block out days and to go through my diary and to make sure that I didn't say yes to any clients at an evening time. Oh, sorry, I had a bit of a frog in my throat there. I did have a glass of water. Yeah, I, I didn't deviate. I, I stuck with it. When I said that that was the time I was offering, I didn't say, oh yeah, I could do calls past four. No, the time, my last slot was four o'clock. And it made a real big difference to me. But I have to admit that it took me a good 10 years to get there. So it might be that if you're building up your practice and you want the work, you can't always get it bang on how you wanted to start with. So I suppose I was able to choose because I had the experience and I had the client numbers to enable me to do that. But if you really feel that working evenings isn't for you, Then you can say from the outset, no, I I don't work evenings. I don't offer evening sessions. And that's okay. There are clients that might say they only want evening time. And I get around that by offering early slots in the morning because then I can offer it before clients go to work. So that works really, really well. Um, And I don't begrudge doing that in any way. So it's about finding your way because your way will always be the best way for you. Okay, so let's think about number five, which I think is the one that I did never, I never realised this. But in my experience of being in private practice, counselling comes in real kind of peaks and troughs in terms of the inquiry numbers that you get. So I find that definitely during the month of December, it's a lot quieter. Most people don't want to start talking about really deep stuff and really difficult things right before they're going to spend the Christmas season with their family. They don't often have very much money at that time, so they don't embark on therapy in the same way. And I also find this time of year, in sort of July and August, that existing clients go away on holiday a lot, obviously, as as a lot of us do. And... I find that that impacts the number of clients that I see during the summer because they're then away and they're saying, oh, you know, I need to have a couple of weeks where I don't see you because I'm away for those two weeks. And so it really does impact. So for certain times of the year, probably those are the most prominent ones where you might find that client numbers dip down a little bit and inquiries might dip off a little bit. But usually come September time, it gets really busy again. And I always find January to be really busy because I think it's a whole new year thing, isn't it? I'm going to get myself sorted this year. <laughs> so I get a lot of inquiries in January. So it's about recognising that and, and understanding that in private practice, you might not have an even number. You might not have an even amount of money coming in. And it's good to have one eye on that. And um, So I always recognize now that there is going to be times where it will be a little bit quieter and that's okay. <laughs> so you get to realize that that's okay because eventually in September time it will get really really busy again and it balances out over the year. I think that takes me really nicely onto one of my other points which is about when you're thinking about your finances there's something about looking at what you need to earn over the month rather than over a week because sometimes we get days where we're really really busy and then we we sort it peters off a little bit and then we get a week where we're really really busy and then you notice the next week is a lot quieter so it's about looking at what you need to earn as a minimum over the whole month not just over a week at a time Because that enables you to look at, okay, by the end of the month I will have earned this, which I think is really, really important. So look at what it is that you need to do and go from there. Once you know that and you can say, right, in a month I need to earn this, which means that I need to see this number of clients in a week, it means that you can have a busier week followed by a quieter week, but not feeling worried about that financially because you can say that's fine I'm going to be really busy this week going to be a bit quieter next week but over the month it will balance out so that's just one way of thinking about it from the business side of things keeping you afloat financially if that makes sense look at what you need to do as a minimum for the month and work it that way rather than looking at it weekly I hope that makes sense (laughs) it does to me in my head but hopefully it does to you as well Okay, so what else have we got on my list? I'm just having a little look here. Oh, this one's a really interesting one. It's about selling yourself. And I think that there's a whole new other episode in this. But when people come to promote themselves and maybe put something up on the counselling directory or maybe create their website, suddenly you realise that you're not selling a product or something. You're actually selling you. You are the product. So it can be really difficult to think about what am I offering a client? Why should they come to me? You know, what is it that they're paying their money for? It can be really, really difficult to write that about yourself and the best ways to to promote yourself and get yourself out there. So I think that that's something I'd love to do a whole episode on. So would you guys let me know if you think that's something that would be useful to you? Perhaps um, I will pop something up on Facebook, put a comment on and let me know whether you think you would like an episode on that on sort of what how to promote yourself and how to put yourself out there into the world a bit. So we've got three more on my list. So we're doing pretty well. The next one is thinking about supervision. Now, I go on about supervision all the time because... It is really, really important to to know and to understand that you're not on your own. You, you've come out of placement and you might have had some support there. But fundamentally, the support that you would have had would have been from perhaps from the place that you were training in, maybe a little bit from the placement itself. But pretty much on the whole, it comes from your supervisor. And so one of the scariest things I think people think about with private practice is, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on my own with this. And actually, you're not really, because if you've got a good supervisor that is available to you between sessions, if you have a real wobble or you're really worried about something, they're readily available to you. Then you've got a place to go with it. You've got somebody in your corner with you. And I think finding a supervisor that is supportive of that and is prepared to help you build this as a practice and is alongside you on that, feels really important to me. So I think that having the support of a good supervisor is super important. Another thing that I don't think I recognised is that clients don't always want weekly sessions. They will often want something fortnightly. Sometimes once every three weeks once you've built a relationship with them. But if you have an inquiry from a client, they might be saying, I can't afford to come weekly, but can we look at doing this fortnightly? So don't assume that you will have all clients will want to see you every single week because the majority of them don't always do it that way. There is something about working every other week and I will often say to clients, can we work together weekly for a little while to start with so that we can build up a relationship well together Uh, and then perhaps switch to fortnightly. But if there are clients that really can't commit to doing that because financially they can't afford to then I will see them fortnightly even from the beginning and we just have to work a bit harder on the relationship but don't assume that all clients want to be seen weekly and I think that's something that I definitely did before I went into private practice I assumed that clients would always be weekly and they're not (laughs) and I think that it's quite useful to to understand that really so here we go next thing talking about initial meetings with clients. I have, and I always will, offer this free of charge to everybody. I offer 30 minutes free of charge, obligation-free. And when I say obligation-free, I mean it's obligation-free both ways, for me and for them. So if I speak to them and I work through some stuff with them and have a conversation, and I'm not the person to work with them, then I can say, I'm not the right person to work with you or let me help you find somebody that can sort of help you more than I can. So that's really important. And if they know that it's obligation free, it means that they can find the right person for them. And that's also really important. They need to find the right counsellor for them because if they don't, there will not be a good therapeutic relationship together. So I always offer a free thirty-minute session, and I say to them, "This is not counselling. This is just a chance for you to let me know what brings you into counselling in the first place, what you're looking for, what your expectations are, and it gives us a little bit of time to just just work through and just touch what some of those issues might be. Because I think that that's really really crucial, because then you know what you're going to be working with before you commit." And they also know who they're going to be working with before they commit. So I have always offered this and I always will continue to. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying that in my experience, this worked really, really well. You know, 30 minutes doesn't take me a massive amount of time. I often do it on Zoom if I can. It's just a really great way to, to make sure that we are well aligned together before we agree to work. Hope that makes sense. think this is the last one and this is about cpd and i think i recognized some way into private practice that cpd continued professional development for those of you that are not averse to that yet um, comes in so many forms we don't have to just sit and read we don't have to have massive thick textbooks everywhere we can learn in so many different ways and If you are a person a little bit like me that struggles to sit down and read books, not because I can't read, but more because I just struggle sometimes to take that information in. And I find that there are other ways that work better for me, such as podcasts, YouTube videos, audible books, listening to things, you know, just looking, flicking through therapy today sometimes and having a look and seeing what's in there, watching amazing TV shows like Couples Therapy on BBC Two absolutely fantastic and there's so much that we can learn that is CPD without us even realising so I just wanted to say that if you are a person that that struggles to sit down and read books and you've got colleagues that have got books coming out of their ears and they're talking about it it doesn't make you any less of a therapist than them there are other ways to get that CPD time done and it doesn't have to involve just books So there you go, that's me on my soapbox for today. (laughs) I hope you found this useful. And I've really enjoyed just sitting and chatting. And it's very casual today. I'm actually sat in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm feeling extremely casual, looking out the window at some beautiful trees. So I'm feeling really happy and content. I've really enjoyed being back today. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to chatting with you again. If you can hear birds in the background, by the way, it's because we live in a place where are the most noisy birds in the world so there is some squawking in the background I hope it's not too distracting but hey we live in the real world don't we so I will see you soon pop over and see me on Facebook it would be really really lovely um, to hear from you over there I will leave the the Facebook details in the show notes below and also if you can spare a minute to leave me a five-star review that would be so helpful And there's lots of platforms that do this now, but Apple being the main one and Spotify. So if you wish to be able to just pop over and leave me a five star review, it just helps me to reach more people and helps me to get the message out there. Until next time, take the best care and I'll see you soon. Bye bye.